Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. We are the podcast that is always very aware of our surroundings when taking a free kick in our penalty area. More on that later. My name is Chris, I am your host and we are back this week to discuss the weekend's legal action of course. However, we've got a rather interesting cup final to discuss first of all and I'll need people with me to do that. So uh, first of all, Jez, you are back with us uh, with a bit of a cold. So uh, hopefully that passes. Other than that, you're, you're good? Yep, all good, thanks. Excellent. And back from her travels to sunny Spain. Phil, how was Seville? Did you do any uh, player scouting for us while you were over there? Well, the funny thing was um, I went over the weekend after the Europa League match. So everybody seemed very happy. Mm. And uh, I was in one restaurant. It turned out the table next to us, they were from Italy. And the waiter immediately pounced on them and is going, Juventus, Juventus, <laughs> which was very nice. But yes, it was, it was lovely. It was, I am 50% tapas now. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, what's, what is it like weather-wise this time of year? Is it like at its um, hottest or? It was 30 degrees, yeah, which I... is fair enough. I can um, live with that, yeah. But another waiter was telling us last uh, August it hit 50. Oof. Yeah, that'll said, be. That's hot even for us. And I'm like, I am so happy. I live in the my relatively cool south of France. Yeah, that, that would be a bit much for me, 50. I think uh, 40, I could probably go to 50. I'm yeah, not so sure. It was 14 in the UK, so there you go. Um, anyway enough of the weather um let's talk about some football so we'll um, we're going to start by winding the clock back uh, to the weekend but rather than league action we are going to talk about the coupe de france final Stade de france saturday night uh both jez and i were um exchanging messages during this one going what is going on and the reason mm-hmm. for that is because to lose are the uh, well depending on where you read this is either their second or their first major trophy, depending on where your um, history lies. The, the club says second, but yeah. the federation separates the current Toulouse from the previous that won in 1957. Yeah. Because who, that merged into Red Star. Red Star, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we won't split hairs. We will just claim it as a victory that it was an astonishing victory. Because it was 5-1, and usually in finals, you, you, it generally tends to be, you know, by the odd goal or two at most. But this was an absolute avalanche. Um, <laughs> Phil, I'm going to start with you, because I imagine you got sort of full live coverage, which we didn't get blessed with in the UK. Oh, yes. Um, so, <laughs> four up after 30 minutes, um, and then they added the fifth, the gloss, one back from not late on. But a couple of the superstars shone in this particular game. But uh, it was it was a story of Logan Costa, who has only made appearances in this tournament. Uh, the defender who scored twice in ten minutes to set to lose on their way. Was this as one sided as the stats would suggest? And indeed, um, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think that it was, as you say, normally with a cup final, people come out. It's a bit cagey, you know, taking it very seriously. Toulouse basically came out all guns blazing right from the beginning. And, yeah, I think um, Alban Lafont was kind of hung out to dry by his defence for both of the first two, the Costa goals, both of which were kind of short-range bullet headers. 
on the first one, the Marco, I think it was Girotto, just was behind him, which given he was about six feet out from goal, wasn't a particularly good choice. And there was nothing LaFont could really do about that. And the second was a bit more messy, uh, but after some head tennis, Costa just kind of darted into the box from nowhere. Nobody picked him up. And it, again, it was another another very direct header. So, and then I think Nantes then ha- managed to have their first attack around 15 minutes. And I think Lequipe's minute-by-minute person was just had time to type, might be struggling here, when Suazo put a wonderful ball from the left wing forwards into a kind of no-man's land where... Dalinga was running onto it. The defender really couldn't do anything about it because it would have been a red card. And Lafont had to come out, but he had to come out too far. And it really beautifully placed um, ball for Dalinga to get a third. And at this point, everyone's just going, bloody hell. And then there was uh, the fourth was also from Dalinga. And at this point, not really started using their shit, I think. Palois was booked. Molle might not have been, but really looked like he should have been. And there'd been some uh, talk before the game about the stewards, etc., not wanting uh, not to bring in their massive TIFO, which says on in Nantes, putain. Um, they did get it in. Uh, the thing was, pre-match, all you could see was it just said putain on the, on the bottom uh, tier and that was pretty much how they felt I think after that first half at which point John Mainland got in touch with me to say some bright spark had already updated Toulouse's Wikipedia page to say they won the Coupe de France and it really was just absolutely solid in that that first half and in the second half Blas got a penalty right down the middle looked very unhappy uh, the mascot was doing his best work to try to g up the Nantes crowd, but staying away from the actual home end, uh, the the end with all the pyro in it, which is possibly a good thing because I'm guessing those uh, costumes are flammable. And they basically went to a four-two-four with uh, kind of panicked substitutions, chucking on Delors and a couple of other people to try to get it back. But there was just really nothing they could do at that point. And uh, Bouclard uh, got um, the fifth goal for Toulouse with kind of 10 minutes to go. I mean, it was an absolute humiliation, really. And yeah, it was that one-sided. Toulouse kind of sat back a little bit in the second half, but not really, not like they sat back. They just weren't hammering as much as in the first half. Mm. I was just thinking, I, I watch a lot of cookery shows, a lot of them American, and sometimes one of the chefs will say, you have to cook with intention. And I've never really understood what that meant until I saw that kind of first 20 minutes from Toulouse, which was definitely cooking with intention. I absolutely screamed out the blocks and just were going for it so much and not really didn't know what to do about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, I uh, messaged uh, Jez uh, where we sort of spoke, like I said, in the uh, in the sort of previous 
conversation there about us saying what's going on. Um, I was sat in the cinema and, and I was getting the updates uh, sort of as it went one, two, and, and then three, and obviously onwards. What what's is uh, I suppose we, we have we'll give some sort of props to Toulouse first of all, maybe talk about not in a second. But um we we've said this about a lot of French clubs this summer, but it's going to be a challenge, isn't it, to keep some of these these highly rated players? I mean, Abu Kalal is is one we mentioned, Van den Boomen before, but Tyus Delinga, both you and I, with Sanchez, has had a, a brilliant season. Uh, Cherby as well. There, it's going to be tough for them to keep hold of these stars, isn't it? But a club like Toulouse, don't want to dismiss them, but a, a club of their size, albeit a historic club, it, it's a massive achievement, isn't it, to to go and and be so dominant. And uh, and have some silverware to show for it, which this will be everything to those that set of players who may not ever win anything again. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a sort of good sporting city from a good sporting area, so it's kind of surprising and a little disappointing that this is their first or second trophy. But I guess it's it's more of a rugby playing region, um, but it's you know it is a, a good sort of catchment area, a nice place to be if you kind of dismiss some of the slightly right-wing politics. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it should be a kind of attractive place and, and maybe a place for, for some of those players to, to stay. There, there's a very good article by Adam White in The Guardian about, um, I mean, generally how, how well some league and clubs are doing in terms of promoting, obviously, young players, but young coaches and, and new sort of methods of of looking for for players and and Toulouse kind of led the way and <coughs> I don't think Damien Connolly had necessarily had a particularly good reputation at Liverpool or Spurs but certainly uh, at Toulouse he seems to be doing a great job in terms of recruitment and and finding players from you know like the second division in the Netherlands or whatever real unsung players who um have kind of taken the the step up in their stride and I think that we when when Toulouse are relegated, we we sort of all said, you know, they've been heading that way for a while and maybe it's a sort of, uh, you know, a negative for a positive or whatever. And then even when they just missed out on promotion, we said, well, maybe they're not quite ready. And and it's kind of, it feels like that's been borne out a little bit. It's given those players a little bit longer to acclimatise and then they've been able to take that step up to Ligue 1. And it would be nice to see some of them stay. And because they're none of them are sort of, particularly heralded names, maybe they will do. Maybe they'll they'll sort of be slightly ignored by whatever Premier League clubs, Bundesliga clubs. And um but certainly if any of them are looking to 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 try some somewhere else, I think quite a few of them have earned the right to to sort of test themselves at the next level up, whether that's with a sort of uh inverted commas bigger club in France or or in another league. Um yeah, yeah that's it really imp- I think in terms of sort of pure quality of football, excitement of the football, I think you could argue they're second only to Lance this season. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I I thought... Sorry, go on. The, the, well, there's one potential spanner in the works, which is about their ownership. And normally, obviously, Coupe de France winner, you'd get into the Europa League. But Toulouse's owners are also the majority shareholders in AC Milan. Yeah. And unless something is done about that, and that's going to have to be done very quickly, 
um, then, then there's a chance they might not get that spot. I think a couple of years ago, everybody's favourite um, energy drink, Brazen Football Sport, <laughs> um, did something similar and managed to divest themselves in time to get uh, both um, involved clubs into into Europe. But uh, I, I've just spent some time trying to set up as an auto-entrepreneur in France, and trust me, it's going to take a while. So... Yeah. That is an unfortunate complication, which I'm guessing none of the players or manager wants to be thinking about. They're more pissed off about having to play last night against Lons, um, only 72 hours after the final. Um, but that's a complication that we could see um, forming the uh, usual bureaucracy corner coverage that we have to do over the summer. Yeah, we'll um <clears throat> we'll look forward to seeing Lutu's CF in in Europe next season, um. But yeah, that's absolutely it's, it's a very good point about joint or shared ownership of clubs and the rules that go alongside it. There is um the flip side to this, which is not um I think we'll save that for our discussion about the teams at the bottom because it does sort of marry up with what's happening in Liga. So we will revisit them, but just to say once again. Huge congratulations to Toulouse and uh, just everything, as Jess said, the entertaining side. And, and let's not forget, you know, only promoted last season. I mean, it's it's a huge achievement for them. So, yeah, just uh, be interesting to see which which one which amount of their players they will keep hold of. And um, not just so to to be a bit by humbuggy, just because I always am. Go on. They Go had on. A, an extremely easy run. Yeah, they did. Yeah, draw rather. Yeah, but then uh, I suppose you could sort of say the same about teams that win Champions Leagues and God knows what, isn't it? It's all sort of luck of the draw and, um, you know, you, you take what you can get. But yeah, I, I think it would be fair to say they had a, a fairly routine run through. Just looking at their quarterfinal, they won 6-1 didn't they, against Rode. So, yeah, certainly um, certainly was the case. Let's um, let's come back into League R then and uh, we'll start looking at the weekend's fixtures. Uh, we are going to start with PSG because you know, we haven't talked about them for at least, I don't know, a week. Um, let's start on the field and then we'll we'll progress into the story off the field. Um, if you're if you're not a Lorient fan, sorry, because we're now going to talk about them for at least half an hour. I'm joking. But uh, PSG won Lorient 3 was the score and even I was quite surprised at this I, I had a suspicion that, that Lorient might do all right in this game because of their style of play and PSG obviously not being completely uh, focused I think it's fair to say at the moment but to win 3-1 and and it could have been four or five had Bamba Diang found his shooting boots by the way but um, a very very good victory this for, for Lorient and, and full credit to Libris who's nothing to play for let's be honest sitting in 10th on the table so as much as I'd love to sit here and wax lyrical about them and indeed the the joy of Enzo Lefay, we have to talk PSG. So, Jez, on the field, first of all, um, Ashraf Hakimi putting what has been a pretty torrid period of time for him, both personally and on the pitch, into focus with a, an early red card. That didn't help things. We mentioned it in the intro. The PSG goal was somewhat fortunate in... It's hard to describe it. Basically, think Shea given against Coventry all those years ago, if you've never seen it, where the goalkeeper kind of rolls the ball out and the player just runs from behind him and taps it into the empty net. Jan and Vogo thought it was a free kick, which is why he kind of just rolls the ball out and leaves it and then Bappe tucks it away. <laughs> one, one thing, uh, because 
we were, or I was very confused watching it. Uh, French TV actually missed the goal because yeah. they were showing the replay of the possible foul. Yeah. The possible foul, one way or the other, happened on the left of the box. So why he picked the ball up and put it down as if he was going to take a goal kick, I, I don't understand. And it seems like one of the PSG players, I'm not sure who, told, told Mbappe, just hit it, do it. It's mm. playing on. And he did and uh, celebrated like he'd for the winner of the cup final. That was the um, weird bit, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was kind of amusing because just hearing the TV while we're watching a replay, suddenly all hell breaks loose in the background and like, yeah. what? It was it was really really odd, and I think I think in fairness to Invogo, you know, nine times out of ten you see referees give free kicks for that purely because it's almost like an unwritten rule, isn't it? Where you know the striker just lets the, the goalkeeper roll the ball out. But that aside, he was good um, afterwards. Though. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. In the second fair. half, he was, so that was that could have completely done his head in, and it didn't. So I yeah. think props to him for kind of. Recovering from that ridiculous situation and going and on he's, to have a very good game, and he's been out since the World Cup with injury as well, so he's probably sort of forgotten what the rules are in fairness to him. But, um, but PSG seem to have forgotten what it's like to play football. Um, Jez, you, you you've defended sort of the, the on the pitch as, as far as as far as Galtier goes, you've very much been in his corner, and and I. I'm kind of torn between the two and I definitely see what you're saying there in regards that he can only do so much, you know, it's down to the players, the attitudes and indeed those above him. Um, we've had more discussions about Campos's sort of discussions off the field. And, and I say, we'll come on to the events of Monday in a second, but just on the pitch alone, PSG are in a very fortunate position this season, aren't they? In that they've got five games to go. And I think all five of them are very comfortable fixtures um, but for the chasing pack, this would be a title race. Is is there any danger at all that they could let this slip even further? I mean, to lose at home to a club with nothing to play for it is not the greatest start to a run in, and it just further, <clears throat> you know, the mistakes they made for the goals. I mean, Roman Fever, lovely run for the the um, I think it's the equalising goal, but what on earth? One Bernard Ferrati just gives up. Donnarumma again, positionally all over the place. Uh, it just. It's just a mess, isn't it? The, the, the end of the season can't come soon enough, can it, for, for that side? No, I mean, well, the problem is that their season ended with the Bayern match. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Look, they've got Trois and Ajaxio next, and Lens and Marseille play each other. So mm. it would still be, a, even by their standards, a massive, massive um, implosion if they were somehow to, to let it slip. It'd be Tottenham levels of bottling, wouldn't it? I mean, well, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised you got through the start uh, nonce match without mentioning Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> Only just. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's absolutely disgraceful, I think, and I'm not saying that none of it is Gautier's fault, but again, if if this was like the first season that this kind of thing had happened, fine, but it's not. Um, and you know some of the players that you mentioned, they're sort of serial offenders or whatever. And and there is only so much that, that Gautier can do. Um, and like you said, we'll talk about the off the pitch stuff. And and you know maybe a, a signal's being sent out 
that things are about to change, although I believe it when I see it. Mm. Um, but it's it's inexcusable when you look at the players on the pitch. Um, you know, Donnarumma, for me, has never been as good as Navas, but he's not as bad as some of his performances have suggested, although to be fair to him, in a couple of recent matches, he's arguably saved them a couple of points. Um, as you said, Hakimi has got off-pitch troubles, but has totally lost form. Marquinhos has not been the same player for the last couple of years and seems quite keen to to be sort of publicly criticising and undermining various people within the team. Um, everyone's saying you should play younger players, but the end, then the younger players don't seem to get supported. Everyone's saying you need more kind of team ethic players, but then those players are being criticised for not sort of winning matches on their own. Um, I think Messi has been absolutely disgraceful since the World Cup. But then what did you expect? Mm. He had one thing left to play for in his career. He won it. Of course, he wasn't going to give a shit afterwards. Yeah. Um, Mbappe still mostly maintains his standards, but does look very tired and still sometimes does look occasionally like he's playing more for himself than than the team necessarily mm. um yeah i mean we could go on and and uh it's just it's not good enough but it's just the sort of carrying on from from where we left off year after year after year there's a load of mercenaries players who are past it and are just looking for a last big paycheck players who want to be in a in a fun city for clubbing and eating um <laughs> You know, Verratti's okay, he's been injured, but he's come back overweight and completely out of form. Um, And they've been allowed to act like that for years. So, in a way, sort of arguably shouldn't even criticize the players because they're just doing what they're allowed to do. I mean, I don't really mean that. I think they're all professionals. It shouldn't be about, they shouldn't need, you know, they're grown ups. They shouldn't need to be told to that extent how to behave but um it's it's pathetic yeah yeah well let, let, let's let's delve into that because i mean on the pitch is bad enough but let's delve into that off the pitch side of things um i want to get both of your thoughts on this Phil, start with you on this one messi has been suspended by the club um sort of for two weeks um so he, he's going to miss those two crunch games in league i'm sure he's gutted um We'll never find out if he can do it on a wet night. (laughs) Indeed. Um, He's been suspended. And and apparently, depending on who you believe, he requested the time off. The time off was not granted. So he just went, well, I'm going to go anyway. Um, His people are saying that it was a misunderstanding that he thought he had the day off. I've worked since the age of 15, 14, actually, um, I've never once had a misunderstanding with an employer about whether I've been allowed to be off or not. You know, um, that's kind of an HR thing. Where I do you... Think, um, there was a great tweet from Lars Siverton, um about this, where he's saying, if you're taking the day off from the Qatari vanity project <laughs> to go and do, <laughs> do work for the Saudi vanity project, then you might just think, don't I have enough money? Maybe yeah. I should just stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is ridiculous. Certainly more think, money than scruples anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think when it first came out, he'd been suspended. It wasn't clear who by. No. Um, and you're thinking, 
has the league finally grown a conscience? And it's like, no, the club suspended him. And partly, obviously, this is now in the realms of geopolitics, but you might also think that it kind of helps to have him suspended because then you don't have to worry about picking him. Mm. Um, I thought that. I, I um, put up at the end of every minute by minute, Lakeep does a tops and flops poll, uh, which uh, routinely gets many, many more votes than any opinion poll you've ever seen. And the flop of this match with 60% was Lionel Messi. Uh, Ashraf Hakimi, who got sent off on 20 minutes, came in second at 28%, and that's 22,000 votes odd. They do appear, the, uh, the fans at the moment, I think, are outside the training ground yelling and screaming and waving banners and demanding change. Th this is not looking good, so... They've said they're not going to uh, renew his contract, which is mm. possibly the most obvious thing we could see coming over the hill. Just a bit, yeah. Um, but the 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 um, the atmosphere is souring badly, I mm. think. And even uh, Jonathan Johnson made the point. Even Marco Verratti, who obviously is one of the um, one of the uh, darlings. He's coming in for some flack as well. Just what you were saying about young players earlier, I just had a look. The youngest player in PSG starting 11 was Vitinha, who's 23. And there's like four of them are over 30. And meanwhile, ex-PSG youth team graduate Eamon Kari actually put in the assist for Dieng's goal when he finally got it. Yeah. So it's like this, as Jess said, you know, they... they it doesn't look good. It doesn't look sustainable, which for a club with that much money is just a ridiculous thing to be saying, but it doesn't. Yeah. Is, is this then, Jazz, I mean, you touched on it there. Is this the sign that Nasser Al-Khalifi is, is, is putting his foot down on the so-called superstars and looking to clean, you know, clean out with a, a new brush in, in this squad? Because I think aside from... Um, Goodness me, his name's completely escaped my uh, brain. The Marseille president, Longoria. Aside from him, I, I think he is the most expressively uh, cheesed off um, onlooker off the pitch that I've ever seen. <laughs> you, you know exactly what he's thinking at all times. El Halafi seems to be right up there with with those sort of individuals in that he, he doesn't appear in public too much, but when he does, you pretty much know what he's thinking. Is this... Is this the sign then that let's scrap it, let, let's rip it up? And and how much business does does this involve for PSG now? Because not only are we looking at a summer of them already needing to strengthen this squad before all this blew up, you've now got to deal with Messi going wherever he's going to go, probably back to Barcelona. You've got Neymar who does what Neymar does and who the hell knows what's going to happen with him. Surely Mbappe is now going to look to push that move through that we all know is coming. Um, and then you've got, like you said, Verratti, Marquinhos, you know, players that are established, <clears throat> players who are badly out of form. And that's not even mentioning the fact they're probably going to need a new coach as well. Um, you know, signing Florian Balogun is not going to solve this, is it? Where, where Mourinho has been mentioned, just in case anyone wants to laugh. Mourinho, well, exactly, yeah. And I mean, 
make of that what you will, serial winner, etc. But I mean, where where do you what what's your viewpoint on this, Jersey? Is it just like Phil said, the souring to a a pretty much broken project from the start? Because it hasn't really worked out, has it? Again, I'm just gonna carry on saying what we've been saying for a good six, seven, eight years. I mean, there's so much potential there. And there, I just think the whole project has um, gone off in the wrong direction. And they're making the right noises now. You know, Campos is saying we're going to focus on young players, French players, team players. And to be fair to him and Gautier, they, you know, we know that in last summer and in January, they really wanted a, you know, sort of focal point centre forward and another centre back. And I don't think there's any doubt that they need both those things. Yeah. They'll have more money freed now without Messi's salary to, to maybe look for that. Um, and so, you know, all you can do, I suppose, is kind of, um, you know, put faith in their their most recent statement. So that and fining or suspending Messi are, I think, positive signs. But we've seen, we have seen positive signs before and then they've capitulated at the first opportunity not Campos, obviously, he's not been there for long enough, but certainly Alcolife. So, you know, part of me thinks it's such a strong statement suspending Messi, and part of me thinks it's very easy to do that because he was so obviously going to leave anyway, mm. and they've got Tuan Ajaxio coming up. You know, if they if their run-in was um, you know, Marseille, Lens, Lyon, something <laughs> like that, it might have been a bit different. Um, so I think we need to see in the sort of short to medium term um, but yeah, I, I think there's a big opportunity to to change things, but you can't do it. I don't think it can be done over one transfer window or even one season. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> I genuinely think that if Mbappe is given the right assurances and the club shows that they really mean it, then he could be tempted to stay. But um He's, I think, going to have to be patient for a year or two if he wins, wants to win a Champions League, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, like you know, there's not just the players that you mentioned who have been underperforming this year, but a lot of the ones that they offloaded in the summer were only loans. So you've got like people like Paredes coming back. Sarabia. Um, well, he he went permanently actually, didn't he? In the end, Sarabia went permanently. Mm. Draxler, I can't remember if he did. Oh, Draxler, um, my God. Yeah. You know, even Kazawa. I feel sorry mm-hmm. for Kazawa because he got a bad injury. But you know, there's a few players who could be coming back who are certainly Navas. really in their in their thoughts. Yeah, Navas. I mean. Mm. Just said, he's gonna go but it's still yeah so there's it's not just about who to bring in it's also about who to ship out who wants them you know we know that Neymar he's quite happy in Paris he's getting paid a fortune he's allowed to go to Brazil every five minutes he's got he knows all the good nightclubs or whatever and no one wants him so unless someone like Newcastle or Todd Bowley at Chelsea are prepared to pay silly money they're going to struggle to offload some of these players anyway I mean the way excuse me the way Chelsea are going Neymar might end up as manager there to be fair so um yeah never rule nothing out but it is just a sorry mess and um one word answer just simply yes or no if I said to both of you um PSG were in a final would you want to root for them No. Okay. Jess, would it, you? It would depend who they were playing. Mm. I but... mean, purely from a French football standpoint, because I've always tried to support them 
against you know even the Bayern game. I wanted them to win, but I felt a bit dirty. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? I, I, I want I want it to be I want it to be genuine, if you know what I mean. You know, but uh, I I fear we're never going to get that. Well, I think I've said how I feel before. I mean, within a league and context, I hate them. Mm. Um, but I feel a bit protective towards them in Europe just because I can't bear the sort of double standards that, you know, everyone worships um, Man City, who everything yeah. they do, I think, is just as distasteful. And as I've said numerous times, have been crashing and burning in the Champions League, having spent more for longer than PSG. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. Totally agree. But if they were a young, likable PSG, mm. Oh yeah, yeah. If we, if we, if they still had some of those incredible players that are, were young and have moved on to other things, then uh, be a very different story. Uh, I have a feeling we'll have plenty to discuss over the summer with regards to all things Parisian. But um, let's talk about some some more wholesome. But, I mean, talking about likable, it is interesting. Just going back to to what we said earlier, you know, the whole Messi Ronaldo thing. Messi was always sort of painted as the nice guy of the two. Mm. Not saying I I like Ronaldo, but. Yeah, Messi also wants very, to very beholden to uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And mm. um, it was interesting that, uh, listening to the Totally European show yesterday that Alvaro Romeo said that Messi's been doing this kind of thing for years at Barcelona. Yeah. It's just that at Barcelona, he was allowed to get away with it. And there are people who say that, you know, part of the problem is that the French don't respect Messi and what he's achieved in the game. I think that's rubbish. I don't... I think it's you know two two separate things that can be compartmentalized and and you know Barcelona played for Messi, Argentina played for Messi, PSG don't mm. rightly or wrongly. I think rightly, I think the problem is they're not playing for each other or uh, they're all playing for themselves basically. But yeah, um, yeah, I think he's been probably overly pampered for a long time by a lot of people. Mm. Argued that he's earned that. But it doesn't give you a free pass. No, I think you both make very good points on on that one. And yeah, I'm a bit old school myself, but I've always said, even all the way down to grassroots level, if you've got that one player who can win you the game, the, the temptation as a manager to let that player off off of the things you wouldn't let off for the guy who carries the coats every week is just it's difficult to resist because you know him, you know that, that Johnny who turns up half cut on a Sunday morning at five minutes to kick off can win you the game where you've got little Timmy who turns up an hour before and is useless. You're not really going to start him. It, it, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, it's fine, but Messi's not that player anymore. This no, no, the World Cup, yeah, I don't agree. think, you know, I, to be honest, I think his performances in the World Cup was slightly overrated. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah that, that team was built for him, wasn't it? Overall, it's, you know, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, he got a lot of soft penalties, for example, as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just, can't remember the point I was going to make, but um, he's not, yeah, he's not that player anymore. And and I think we said he hasn't, he hasn't been in the Champions League semi-final for, I think, Eight years, yeah, eight, eight years, yeah, yeah. I think you're right, yeah. I just think some players just meant to be at clubs, and I just don't think he should ever have. Well, I mean, he didn't really have a choice, did he? Leaving Barcelona or his skin, but I'm sure they'll find some money down the back of the sofa to bring him back. What a lovely story. Um, speaking of lovely stories, let's uh, round up the kind of the top end of things. 
Marseille and Lens. Um, let's talk about the, the the very good in in Lens. First of all, they've played twice since we last recorded. So at the uh, the weekend, um, over the or over the weekend's um, action, they they oh, no they haven't played twice. Have they sorry, I'm telling lies. They played once. They played in midweek, not at the weekend. There we go. We got there in the end. They beat Toulouse by one goal to nil after that rearranged game because of obviously Toulouse's uh, uh, involvement in the Coupe de France and winning, of course. And Marseille won 2-1 against Osea. And probably the pick of the goals was from Toure in that game. I have to say, um, I think Toulouse's second team were really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, based, but I, I must admit, I, didn't, I only saw highlights of this one, but they did look to be, uh, stats-wise at least, pretty pretty level with with uh, Lance, who Louis Appender just continues to inflate his price tag with the winning goal. Um, and Marseille benefited from... Uh, it's not the same in France. Um, I don't actually, Phil. W- when you watch games live, do you get the lines drawn on uh, it, Sky's coverage for Premier League, for example? No, over here, we get they it. Don't they just kind of say whether it was or not? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because every angle I've seen, I think you tweeted this as well, Jess. That Alexis Sanchez goal, he looks a clear yard offside to me. And I'm not saying I say I would have held on for a one-all draw, but. That looked very fishy to me. I think there was maybe a deflection. Is that Um, what it was? I can't remember. What I noticed mainly from that game was obviously uh, because Marseille are only five points behind PSG, although PSG's uh, run of fixtures, as you mentioned, is not scary. Mm. Um, They were... You know, one nil down at home after that Torre goal, and then on seventy minutes, Payet and Granduzzi were brought on to a, a huge ovation. I mean, yeah. the velodrome at its most velodrome. And five minutes later, Unders gets a first, and then two minutes later, Sanchez. So while they were not, you know, while they didn't score the goals, their injection of well, in Gwendouzi's case, shithousery, and in Piat's case, just sheer kind of um, commitment to just running everywhere um, really made a difference. So that was a very, I mean, that looked like, you know, a brilliant tactical move yeah. uh, from Marseille there. But yeah, the, the reception those two got when they came on was pretty impressive. I thought so Marseille... Good, good form. Only five points off. I mean, PSG are going to win the league, but it's not going. They were what? How many points clear at some point when we were talking like about eleven this? or twelve, wasn't it originally? Yeah. I think, yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's going to. I I think it's going to be under five, which I know sounds stupid, but uh, that's actually going to be uncomfortable. I mm. think in the coverage for them because they're so used to walking it. So yeah, it was uh, it was a good performance from OM mm. on the on the Sunday night to come back from behind and and you know keep keep up there. Yeah, unbeaten in at least five. I can't see more than that on form chart. It's a lovely, lovely goal from Toure to open it. I have to say that was a, a yeah. cracking goal. And I thought I said we're, we're well worth it in that first half, but ultimately um, they fell away. And yeah, that, as I say, if you haven't seen that goal from Sanchez, it, it 
does look, unless it has got a deflection, it looks like the only part of the, the defender's body that seems to be playing him maybe onside is his arm, which I thought was not supposed to be given. But make up your own mind. Um, we shall see. Uh, Jez, are you, are you on board with the idea that this fixture coming up at the weekend is going to decide second place because we've got Lens against Marseille? Um, arguably the biggest game of the, of the season between these two in terms of what it means. Is this going to be a straight shootout between these two? And ironically, you've got the you've got the home form of yeah. Lens yeah. against the brilliant away form of Marseille. So it's got nil-nil written all over it, hasn't it? <laughs> but, but if there is a winner in this game, I have to say I quite like it to be Lens. Do you see it the same way? Is, is it winner-take-all in this fixture at the weekend? Not necessarily. I haven't. I haven't looked at their their run-ins apart from this match. But I can know, tell so you if you like. If you'll get them up. Yeah, go on. If Marseille win, obviously that that's a nice, you know, handy little gap, um, and they'll probably be okay. If Lance do, then Marseille are only what one or two point two points I think behind. So it's it's. I don't think it's done and dusted either way. And we've seen from both teams that they they can suddenly drop drop form and drop points. Um, so I think it should still be an interesting end to the season. And, you know, we'll come to Monaco later. It can very quickly change. Remember last week you were talking about how if Monaco had beaten Lens, they'd have gone ahead of them. And now they're suddenly worried about dropping out of the European places altogether. So yeah. um, I don't think anything's finalised yet, but it's a massive match. I mean, to me, this is definitely the match of the season so far. Yeah, must-see TV. It's um, it's on the uh, it the sixth, which is this Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Saturday and Sunday. It's oh yeah, yeah, of course. No yeah, Friday sorry. night game because of the midweek midweek games. Yeah, the organisation makes sense. Makes sense. So yeah, you got Lens Marseille. They play each other at the weekend. Marseille's running following that is home to Angers, who are relegated officially. Uh, home to uh, sorry, <laughs> the funny thing is that for the you know. The first time the Marseille match should be the big Sunday night match. It's, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's the Saturday eight pm game. That one. Um, yeah, they play relegated Angers uh, in a midweek round um, on the fourteenth. That's next week, isn't it? Um, they then go away to Lille, which is going to be tough potentially. We'll come on to them. Uh, they host Brest and they finish a, finish away at Ajaxia, who could well be relegated by then as well. As for Lens, um, after Marseille, they face Reims at home. Uh, Lorient on the way, so they're getting whipped seven 0 there. Clearly, uh, home to Ajaxia themselves, and they finish away at Osea, which again you would think touches wood here that I'll say yeah they'll either be safe or well I mean I, I think they're going to be safe so yeah it, it you do sort of feel like the big one of those selection is probably Leo Marseille if um although again Marseille away who knows um it could be interesting to watch Let, let's touch on um that race for what will be sort of third slash fourth slash fifth place then um, results for the clubs in and around it. So Leon got a two, one win over Strasbourg on the Friday evening. They came, uh, came from behind. Did they come from behind? Yep. Yes, Samson opened for Strasbourg and Luke Hoban Feels like so long ago, doesn't it? Lovely finish that from Kakare actually. It's all coming back to me now. Um, Ren, say again. 
do you think it was i thought he hit it too centrally and i thought sales should have saved it did you i, I like the technique um, i must admit i didn't see where it sort of went through sales but i like the technique i like the the sort of creation of the goal um and I, i've got such a thing for barkala i think he's my new man crush in, in liga i think he's just such a talented young player albeit raw um Ren had a bit of a scare against Angers. Um, they won 4-2 at the end, but it's by no means straightforward, but points on the board for them. And yeah, um, at half-time, you got to think Angers were thinking, can we, can we, can yeah, we? Yeah, and then Doku pops up with a, um, a brace in the second half. So The yeah. world fell apart, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, Lille got a 3-0 win over Ajaxio, uh, which is almost condemning Ajaxio down, uh, albeit all barring a miracle. So it's fairly straightforward for Lille. That was on the Friday, I believe. But the, the big losers of the weekend um, were Monaco. Let's um, let's not underpin the fact that Montpellier went goal crazy on this one. Phil, they got a 4-0 <clears> win. <throat> Um, but I guess the, the story is Monaco, isn't it? Because they've hit a rough patch of form at exactly the wrong time, losing to Lons in, leap, in, in limp fashion last week and then getting absolutely destroyed by Montpellier. Be honest, did, did you see this coming? Because Montpellier are not always the best travellers and they just mm-hmm. absolutely tore Monaco apart in, in this game. No, I didn't. I did have money on them, but that was more of oh, a lovely. karmic thing. I also had money on L'Oreal. Uh, oh, that was nice. Um, Paid for the holiday. <laughs> uh, my next holiday, yes. In fact, <laughs> um, I'll be going to see the uh, Tournoi Maurice Ravello final days in Salon de France in June. Anyway, um, basically, Monaco looked like, you know, when it's a cup game and it's a premiership side away at a lower league side. We're not hmm. talking about your, you know, romantic. Um, fifth tier, everybody's having a good time thing. Kind of, you know, a decent league, league one outfit who, you know, are hoping, hoping they can do so. They look like that. It was just, they were just slower to everything, worse at everything. The marking was off. The, I, I mean, Norden got two goals. Marcel got one and Mavididi, who I think has now broken a record for the most league on uh, appearances by an Englishman. Is it since Chris Waddle? I think. Yeah, hundred and eight, yeah. I yeah. think. Um uh, or hundred and nine now. So yeah, I think we kind of forget forget his English. Um came in on on the end of it. And it just looked pretty comfortable in the in the second half. The first half was a bit more cagey it was only one nil at half time but then in the second half there was this kind of bad 15 minute spell where monica were just put to the sword and yes it was uh very impressive from montpellier but i think it took them a while to realize oh this lot aren't up to much let's <laughs> go for it in that kind of uh general ambiance and it was nice of them to not get a red card this week as well, which is always always a bonus when you're trying to win a game. <laughs> Didn't even check that. I've given up looking. Yeah, yeah. Averaging one a week. Um, look, Montpellier's result aside, Jez, I was listening to 
Luke Edwards will talk about this. Um, he sort of follows Monaco closely, and he was saying that this is the culmination of of Monaco's uh, having to qualify for the Champions League and all that, starting the season in June or whenever the hell it was, very early start, and that some of their big players um, are just burning out at the wrong time and, and just look sort of leggy. Disasi in particular um, was one he highlighted. I think Fafana, another one who's dropped off since the World Cup. Um, and, and he also cited a lack of leadership in this group uh, sort of to take them on. Is that the case? I mean, one win in four, it does appear like sort of the candle is just burning out at exactly the wrong time. And once again, d- sort of taking away the principality and the fact that they're sort of separate, as it were, from a lot of French clubs, there's a lot of purchasable assets in that team, isn't there? And they're at risk of of being picked off if they don't make Europe this season? Is is that the biggest concern that they've got after this result now? Uh, yeah, I think for two or three players, and there's certainly um, some players that may be eyeing a big move. And, and I think the burnout thing is fair to an extent. I mean, certainly if you take Fafana, for example, you know, he obviously had no break. He was playing in a World Cup final. So um, <clears throat> it is a long season. And um, there is a school of thought that that says that Monaco would rather qualify for Europa League than qualify for Champions League qualifying and extend their season again. Um, So I think that it's fair to consider that. But what was interesting was that Clément himself was kind of saying the problem is they're not playing as a team. They're all thinking about their transfers in the summer. And for the fact, for the coach to kind of publicly insinuate that I think uh suggests that's definitely clearly an issue there and and mm. you know again going back to PSG that's not good enough you know Maripont was clearly not match fit that explains to an extent his bad mm. his bad match Enrique maybe you know he's had a good season maybe he's just feeling it a little bit now um mm. that's that's fine but um if they're not playing well, not playing as a team because they're all selfishly thinking about their own next move, then I just, again, it's inexcusable. These are highly placed. I mean, the money's irrelevant, but these are professionals who, who are being paid to do a job. And for me, it's sort of dereliction of duty. Is it, because um, I think he was <laughs> mentioning uh, the sort of lack of leadership and he's talking about like Fabregas, for example, who didn't really play towards the end of his time there but is is that the concern is that aside from Ben Yedder and maybe Kevin Volander at a stretch they haven't really got any sort of leaders in that team have they, they haven't got any like sort of old grizzled veterans that would, I mean, would drag them you never know what oh, makes a leader Agu- I mean, look at Morris who's been captain of Spurs and France for so long I think Dussazi looks like a leader to me Aguilar's got good experience yeah. Yeah. or look Golovin as you know Supposedly a star player for Russia who's played in a World Cup or two. I don't know. Yeah. That's enough yeah. an excuse. No, fair point. Fair point. <clears throat> One thing I find interesting is I think looking at Monaco, you can see the change in the financial model mm. when you look at the team. We used to joke in the transfer window in the summer about the Monaco kind of departure lounge because there were all these two dozen players coming back from loans and going back out on loan and whatever. I'm looking at their out on loans players at the moment, seven 
Yeah. Um, obviously, to Burger. Um, and uh, Marshall's on rest, but the others haven't, apart from Marshall, haven't really heard of them. Are no. they going to come back? Are they going to do something? Yeah. Um, in the, in the... They don't have the same model they had before, which mm. I think has had a knock-on effect, which they haven't really managed to kind of get over. Yeah, bridge the gap. Yeah. Are you, you going to come in on that as well, Jess? I was just going to say that, like, in defence of, if that's the right phrase, of the club, you know, there are some good young players coming through. There's that Diop who didn't have a great game, but yeah, was impressed a little bit. Obviously, Ben Seguir, who's who has really caught the imagination. Um, yeah. And they did win the Gombardella before the cup final. So um, maybe their model is sort of, you know, really focusing on the youth that they've already got there and and maybe will it will sort of bear fruit in two three four years something like that and then yeah. the I mean, i'm, I'm not it, saying so. that having 24 players out on loan is a good thing i think chelsea <clears throat> um i'm just saying it's that's one indication of how things have changed yeah um and i think you can see on the change arguably was a good change to make. They just seem to have think, thought it won't make any difference. It's just in the boardroom mm. or in the bank account. And actually it's a bit it's a bit broader than that. Some of their signings haven't been great, have they? I feel, I feel like they're <clears throat> I feel like they're they're lacking in in a goal scorer. Like I think how good somebody like Opender would have been at that that club. I mean Folland, I'm never quite convinced by. I really Eddie. liked Mbolo this year. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. He he seems to have fallen off a bit in recent months, doesn't he? Like he's very good pre World Cup and just kind of. I think he's, he's injured, I think. Oh, is he injured now? Is he okay? Well, that, that, I'll give him give him benefit of the doubt if that's the case. Um, okay, so that just leaves us with kind of the bottom. I, I do just want to tip my hat to Claremont, though. By the way. The informed team in Liga, five straight wins. I've, That's who Monaco beat Gombardella final, by the way. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, there. I was about to ask who they who they beat. Yeah. Um. And uh, when you when you beat Will Stills Rouse, you you know you know you're onto a good thing. And one no win at the weekend, but yeah, five straight wins. And genuinely, I think what Claremont are doing is is amazing. Um. Just the budget and the players they've got at their disposal are just yeah, fair play to them. Because I think talking of been... Claremont, just because he was there before, I thought. On 2G's own goal for Ange- or for Ren or for Angers against his former club was very dodgy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you are you casting aspersions here? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Allegedly, I have to check that one in, of course. Um, let's have a look at the bottom then before we uh, before we wrap up. So we've got a big game ahead of us tonight. Time recording, in fact, in. Um, about half an hour's time, I think it is. Uh, Brest host Nantes, uh, which is the game left over from the weekend. We did touch on Nantes' kind of, you know, tragic sort of uh, cup final and etc. and so on. This game, Jez, I'll start with you. It's pretty massive, isn't it, for both? Because we're we're kind of putting a fork in Trois and Ajaxio. Um, if we're not actually shutting the barbecue on them, we're, the fork is in and, and the gas is on. Brest and Nantes, though. 
if, if there is a winner from this game, I mean, it's massive, isn't it? And best host not. Um, I have a suspicion the Pirates might come out on top of this one, given what happened at the weekend. Um, where and do you stand on that? The rest beaten in five as Absolutely. well, whereas yeah. Nantes are going to be... two uh, Three draws and two defeats in five, <laughs> yeah. Not good. Um, yeah, I'll get both your takes on this one. Where, where do you sit on this one, Jez? Is it, is it again, not... <clears throat> when I say winner take all, we know there's more games to play, but momentum alone, does this sort of... Does this put one of the two clubs clear for now? I think so. I think if Brest were to get a result, then it would do. Yeah, I mean, um, we said that, I think we said a couple of weeks back that um, Nantes' form has been dire. I think they've got something like four points since that draw against Juventus. And um, uh, what's his name? Comboare said... Yeah. Um, you know, before the cup final, don't judge me on on the league form, judge me on the cup final, which with hindsight is maybe not a clever thing to say. No. Um, just to let you know, Lekip gave them an average um, player ranking after the match of 2.6. Two players got one. And, and Conguare sure got a one as well. That's unacceptable. In the uh, Lekeep uh, kind of notes, just, just um, a bit definition. No, just I mean they actually. That's the definition is inadmissible. Oh, I see. Okay, right. I mean, it, yeah, that, that's pretty bloody dire, isn't it? When you, yeah. Um, where do you stand on it, Phil? Do you, do you feel? So I just. You're... Oh, sorry, Jesse. Um. But yeah, I just feel like I think we said that you know Nantes' next two matches are going to be against Troyes and Brest, and that could arguably define their season. And and Troyes, they were relatively lucky. Well, they were lucky to to kind of get away with the draw, even though we said that on the balance of play they probably deserved at least that. Mm. Um, obviously, last week is going to hurt a lot, um, and. It's, I think, difficult to bounce back from a big final defeat like that. I know they've got an extra day from Toulouse and they might, you know, have feel like they've got more to prove or, or whatever, or not have their eye off the ball like maybe Toulouse did. But as we said, Toulouse played with a lot of freedom yesterday and, and maybe we're unlucky not to not to get something out of the match against Lance. I think Nantes are going to be playing with a lot of pressure. Um Phil mentioned, I think, that Blast looking very unhappy. Mm. Um, He's the one player who I'm still shocked is there. I can't believe he didn't yeah, in summer. Um, you know, he's clearly leaving now and and you know, maybe needs to kind of step up a little bit just to add a you know a couple more zeros to his <laughs> fee or whatever. I don't know. But um there's some decent enough players there, but no one again, it's not about leadership, but I don't know if there's any player there who's got such brilliant ability that he's gonna be able to take the match by the scruff of the neck for example mm. you know maybe in the past Seymour but he's had a pretty poor season they don't have an out and out goal scorer who's gonna save them although I do like Mohammed and he was unlucky I think he hit the bar in the in the cup final um so yeah I, I worry for them a bit Brest are obviously beatable but as you said they're in reasonable enough form and and they've got to see this as a really winnable match and yeah. if Brest win this then <clears throat> yeah I, I worry quite a bit for Troyes. Auxerre and Strasbourg look 
far better equipped to stay up at the moment. Do you think Kumbwari is under pressure, Phil, if they lose this one? Because, I mean, you know, this stage of the season, mm. we've seen, like, uh, Leeds United, for example, have changed their manager with four <laughs> games to go. I mean, it seems to be a growing a growing habit amongst teams in Europe to, to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater twice over and just chuck somebody into the last few games in the hope that they can change something. I mean, it, but who, who, who would they get? I mean, well, that... That is the question. Alan Pardew, I think, is available. But, um, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll like Allardyce we'll coming it. into Leeds, what's this? Like Roland Corbet's Corbet's mm. is going to rock up and just knock some heads together? I can't see that happening. I mean, no. I think Gulvenek is the one that people spoke about. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that would make sense. But, yeah. Well, he's a know. former player. He's, you know. But can, is there enough time to make a difference, I guess, in that amount of. You know, well, when, when you look at it, you've got <clears throat> we've got Angers are down, yeah. Ajaccio and Antoine are on twenty-two. Um, Realistically, they're going, aren't they? Nice only beating Antoine one 0 at the weekend after a second-minute goal was slightly nervy for the Nice and then you've got a ten-point gap up to Brest and Nantes, who have this game in hand with their playing tonight, and also Strasbourg. And then Auxerre on 33. So it is it is fact seven, but there's really only one place left because I think both Tuan and Jatio are done. There's mm. no way they're going to pull off a crazy escape from where they are at the moment because they no, just can't. Although they do both have PSG to play. <laughs> Three points. <laughs> so this is, as we say, a huge game. But mm. whoever loses it, or if it ends up being a draw, then they're all still in trouble. But what I think will happen is, if Brest have got any sense at all, they'll have watched that cup final back and gone, all right, lads. <laughs> this, is, this is the way, yeah, yeah. Corners are... Their marking is horrendous. Yeah. Um, you know, balls into the box. Their marking is horrendous. Let's, who, whoever's tallest, get forward. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think, yeah, with not like we say, can't really believe Blas is still there. I can't really believe that Alban Lafont is still there. I, I think Ooh, I think both go. the cup final, I maintain it's a very good goalkeeper who was basically shafted for the first two goals there and then Everton. He only, he only got a two, and I thought he should have done better on the second goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like he's one of those goalkeepers, though, that I think if he had a better defence in front of him, you'd, you'd see yeah. a better keeper develop. Because I, no, no, I, I do rate him very highly. I just, just talk that about That particular it. night, he wasn't, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's I think that's fair. If we, I forgot that it was special for him because he started at Toulouse. It feels like so long ago already. Crikey, yeah, that is a long time. Well, he was only 16 as well. Yeah. yeah. So it feels like he's been around forever. He has been, but he's still basically a youth player. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. I think what Jez was saying about Nantes, um, because, you know, Blas is the captain and he's a bit the leader, but the other kind of, in inverted commas, leaders they've got tend to be the, I'm going to go back to this, the more League One hard men types, mm. you know, Palwar, maybe Mole a bit. Yeah. Um, Grizzled veterans. <laughs> there isn't a lot of create smart creativity 
mm. which I think is um, not helping. Whereas breast have a bit more of that. So I think, yeah, tonight's game, this will probably be published tomorrow. So I may have to put a caption on it. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think breast are going to, are going to win, um, win this. And that probably makes them safe. And then it's not looking good for not. No. I think I'm going to um, save myself the pain of watching Man City skittle West Ham for 12 and, and watch this game myself tonight. So, um, yeah, it will be very interesting to see where we are this time um, next week. I think if we are going to condemn, <clears throat> excuse me, Jaxio, as we mentioned, lost to Lille and, and Toir, who went down um, to Nice, who won. Uh, the, I think that was their last chance. They had to win that game at home and they didn't. Um, Strasbourg, as we mentioned, did also lose to Lyon. Um, thought they were a little bit unfortunate. Thought they were for long spells the better side, although <clears throat> Lyon turned up second half. And uh, we mentioned that also a defeat to Marseille. So it's kind of as you were. Um, to lose, obviously, a, a fine in, in 13th upwards, 41 points. So it is realistically one of, I'll say, Strasbourg, Nantes and Brest. And, um, yeah, I think the outcome of tonight's game is going to be very interesting. That's for sure. Let's um, have a look at the uh, fixtures for the weekend. Nantes finish at home to Angers. So if it goes to the last match, <laughs> although that is a derby, mm. sort Motivation of all the, of a sudden for One of the dozen derbies you can have in that part of the month. Yeah. There you go. And we've got, I think it is a midweek round, isn't it? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, it is a weekend round next week. So I don't know where I got midweek from. Um, so the weekend's games, we've got uh, Nice against Wren, which has permutations for, arguably for both, uh, certainly for Wren. Uh, that's the... Um, nice that's look for... pretty much on holiday now. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah, um, <laughs> certainly their uh, their ownership is uh, is on holiday. I believe in Manchester at the moment. Um, that's a four o'clock kickoff on Saturday, and then you've got a six pm game on Saturday, which is a rare occurrence. As you've got Rams hosting Lille, I think the Rams are also potentially pretty, uh, sort of looking ahead to next season. Lille, of course, still fighting for Europe. Lens against Marseille. Uh, do not miss that one. It should be decent at eight o'clock. I believe it's on Flashes of Eurovision. Oh, does it? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I think I'll. I think I'll manage this. Holiday um, against uh, Monaco is the midday slot for Sunday games. Uh, that is must win for Monaco. Full stop. I think that's safe to say. The uh, two o'clock multiplex games. Then you've got Ajaxio hosting Toulouse um, again, as we mentioned before. Arguably nothing on that game realistically. Same with us against Clermont, although Clermont could make it six successive wins. Uh, Lorient against Brest, that is a derby. Um, and again, depending on what happens tonight, that could be a, a very, um, very interesting game as regards to certainly the wayside anyway. Nort against Strasbourg, equally so. All of a sudden, yep. that game looks pretty huge, doesn't it? Especially if there is a winner between Brest and Nantes tonight. Uh, Leon against Montpellier, that's that's got an old-fashioned look to it, hasn't it? That's the 4 uh, Bet on 5-1. <laughs> yeah. One way or the other. <laughs> and, and a red card, probably. 5-1. Seven uh, years back. Four times. Stefan Yeh comes back and gets sent off again. Yeah, it, it has a habit of being fairly high scoring, that one. Um, and Trois against PSG in, a, I, I think, probably one of those games that you can probably it's skip. Simple. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? I, I never like to promote... If there's a good film on... Yeah, 
you know, the maybe the first one you've match seen a couple them. of times before, but you like it. Just just watch that. Just instead. stick it on. I, I In think memory, the first match between them was brilliant. Yeah, well, was that the start? Or, or three or something? Was that the start of the season, or am I thinking? Yeah, of... I think so. I thought that was at. I thought that was at Twas Ground. Maybe was that last season? Am I thinking of? I remember it being a really close game. I think <clears> I'm thinking of last season at Twas Ground, but yeah, at um, PSG's home game. Four um, four three. Four three. Wow. Okay, yeah. there you go. Well, I mean, I I think it's I think it's safe to say that anything other than a PSG win, and let's not forget. They limped past Angers last week, you know. Aside from the game at, at Lorient, so I think I think anything other than a, a fairly straightforward win for PSG, there will be some very there will be Ancelotti esque eyebrows um, raised at any scores there. Um, but you know, all Lons and Marseille can do, uh, and I'm well versed in this as an Arsenal fan, is put the pressure on. That's all they can do: uh, win their games and hope for the best. So uh, yeah, good luck to toi. But um, I, I suspect PSG will have enough in that game. Uh, we will, of course, be back next week to discuss all that and more and um, see if there's any other PSG players that happen to go on holidays when they shouldn't do and all of the above. Um, but that is for next week. So, uh, yeah, obviously you won't hear this at the time of recording. Um, you'll probably know the result between Nantes and Lens. But if it is uh, sorry, between Brest and Nantes. But if it is a good game, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we're all off to prepare for that now. Um, so all that remains me to say is uh, thank you both to Jez and Phil. Thank you both for your time this evening. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, we will indeed be back next week. Uh, it is a bank holiday in the UK next Monday because we've got some royal stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. Another oh, one. the thing. Yeah, the thing with the coronation and the hat and all that jazz. So uh, we will probably be back either the next Champions Tuesday. Champions League music. And, <laughs> yeah. Europa League um, but so uh, yeah we'll probably be back either next Tuesday or next Wednesday depending on schedule so uh, in case we are a bit late next week you know why in advance so uh, until then um, whichever game you are going to take in this weekend uh, make it Lens Marseille no excuses and uh, enjoy your French football we will speak to you very soon <laughs>